God wants all his children to be in the priesthood. Sacrifices actually are regular or a constant feature of God's dealings with man. Once a person is made a priest, it is a must for him or her to offer sacrifices. The most important sacrifice of man to God is himself. The way to offer ourselves unto God as a sacrifice is to simply surrender. The Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Be blessed today as God's servant, Reverend Peter Ayo Alabi, brings you God's Word. Glory to Jesus. And so we begin a new teaching this morning for the month of June. Hallelujah. And it's titled Spiritual Sacrifices in the New Testament. Spiritual Sacrifices in the New Testament. Spiritual Sacrifices in the New Testament. And um, it's going to be very enlightening. As you know, we teach in series in this church. And by the way, I want to just say this. This is an international church. Yes, Amen. Do you believe that? Yes, <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things you must do is as words are given, we've got to take those words and begin to run with them. Yes, Yesterday, Pastor God, you said some very, very uh, strong words in the Holy Ghost. And I tell you, you know, um, that was what we were hoping for, expecting that. You saw what I'm saying, that he would speak words by divine utterance. And those words he said, we must put them in our mouth. You remember, you know, there's a scripture he shared yesterday. I want to call your attention to that scripture. Go to Isaiah 59 and verse 21. Isaiah 59 and verse 21. And, and I tell you, this is very important. Glory to Jesus. And you will see how... Uh, the Lord speaking here in verse 21, as for me, he said, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. He said, my spirit is upon thee, and my words, notice now, and my words which I have put in thy mouth. Notice where did he say he put his words? In our mouth. It's amazing. God, God never at any point says, I put my word in your heart. You are the one that will put God's word in your heart. But the way to your heart is your mouth. So, where God wants his word is actually in your heart, but God cannot put his word in your heart by himself. Alright? So, what God will do is to put his word in your mouth. As you speak it from your mouth, it's going to get into your heart. So, he says, My spirit that is upon thee and my words which are put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed. Saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. So notice there, God is saying, this has to be a practice that is perpetuated from generation to generation. It must not depart out of your mouth. It, has not, it must not depart from the mouth of your seed. It must not depart from the mouth of your seed's seed. Did you see that? So it means the, the practice of speaking the word God has given to us must be passed down from generation to generation. Why? It's because that is the way the blessing will go from generation to generation. So it means the generation that refuses to speak those words will be cut off from the flow of the blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And 
So when words are spoken to us or over us like that, we've got to put it in our mouth. All right, mom and I have done that this morning already. Trust me, very early hours of today. All right, and that's what you've got to do. You know, uh, this church, glory to Jesus, our voice is spreading to the ends of the earth. To Ghana. Glory to God. To Senegal. To Angola. To South Africa. To Egypt. Yeah. Hallelujah. To the Middle East. To Asia. To Europe. Glory to God. To North and South America. To all the nations of the earth. Glory to God. And this church totally reflects our name. And that in this nation, we are an institution of faith. And for every individual in this church, before the end of the year, you will have a strong visitation of the angels of God. The things you have desired in your heart, your hand will undo them tangibly. Glory to God. Say, be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. Say it again. Say, be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. Now, let's say it as a church. Say, be it unto us according to the word of the Lord. Say, we believe the word of God. Therefore, there shall be a performance of the things that have been told us from the Lord. Go ahead and give thanks to God about all this now, everybody. Oh, actively thank God for it. Actively thank God for it. Glory to God. All right, Psalm 50 verse 5. Psalm 50 and verse 5. He said, gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Notice that, gather my sins together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Now, you see, from the Old Testament, even till now, sacrifice is a very pivotal part of our Christian walk with the Lord. Sacrifice has always been a major thing, a major feature in God's dealings with man, from Old Testament times to New Testament times. Now, there's just a difference between the kinds of sacrifices that they offered in the Old Testament and the one that we offer in the New Testament. The New Testament does not preclude us from sacrifices. It is just that we offer different kinds of sacrifices. It doesn't mean that we no longer offer sacrifices, but it means what the reality is that we offer a different kind of sacrifice unto the Lord. And in the Old Testament, they had different kinds of sacrifices. In the same way in the New Testament, there are different kinds of sacrifices that we offer unto the Lord. So sacrifices actually are regular or a constant feature of God's dealings with man. You know, you will notice if you go to Genesis chapter 8, Genesis the 8th chapter, glory to Jesus, and after the flood in the days of Noah. And you will see how the Bible tells us in verse 15, and God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth out of the ark, or go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee, bring forth with thee 
every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar, notice now, unto the Lord. And I wanted to pay attention to that because it's very important in this teaching. An altar. Somebody say an altar. An altar. All right. And took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21 says, and the Lord smelled a sweet savour. I wanted to also pay attention to those two words. A sweet savour. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every, everything living as I have done. Verse 22, very popular scripture. Let's all read it together. Want to go while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So notice Noah offered a sacrifice unto God here. And this is a constant feature. Uh, it's amazing to know, and that's why we're looking at Noah, because Noah, the Bible never tells us he was, there was no, there was no Levi or Levitical priesthood, of course, at that time. But you notice that yet the man offered a sacrifice. And I will tell you why that is so, is because in God's dealings with man, sacrifice is a constant feature. Sacrifice is a constant feature. Because as we look at Noah here, Noah was not a priest. Did you see? Noah was not a Levite. Because as you know in scripture, the Levites came from the tribe of Levi, one of the sons of Jacob. And though at this time there was no such thing as a Levitical priesthood, yet there was sacrifice offered unto God. And that is to show you the importance of sacrifice in God's dealings with man. In Exodus 19, in Exodus 19, you will see how from verse 5 to 6, how that God wants a nation of kings and priests. God wants a nation of kings and priests. And though Noah, like we just uh, read, was not uh, a Levite, was, was somebody who came before the Levitical priesthood, yet he did that which was now known to be the duty of priests. And the reason is because priesthood is that which God wants for all of his children. God wants all his children to be in the priesthood. So in Exodus 19, 5 to 6, the nation of Israel is the nation he's particularly referring to, but they are simply God's model, as it were, for what he wants to do with everybody. So he says, now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. And I want you to pay attention to the choice of words in Exodus 19 because we're going to see identical words in the New Testament in Peter's writing. So look at it again, Exodus 19, 5 to 6. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, verse 6, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. Does this sound familiar to you now? He said, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So notice God is talking to the entire nation. He said, I want all of you, did you see, to be a nation of priests. 
Did you see that? To be a holy nation. To be a peculiar treasure. Did you see above all the nations of the earth? Meaning I want you to be different. Did you see that now? I want you to be, to be unique. Did you see? You are special in other words. That's what God is trying to say. If I is telling Moses, he said, that is how I want you to talk to my people. Tell them they are special. Tell them they are peculiar. Tell them they are not common. Tell them that they are different. They are distinguished. Glory to God. I wish you could tell, tell somebody sitting next to you. Help me tell them. Say, you are special. You are peculiar. You are distinguished. You are not common. Woo, glory. Tell them one more. Say, you are rare. You are of the rare kind. You know what they say? You are a rare gem. You know, fun, fun people only use that word when somebody has died. They say they lost a rare gem. No, no, no. You, you know, we, you are a rare gem now. In the present, continuous, perpetual. <laughs> Your value will never go down. Never. Never. The law of diminishing returns is not allowed in my life. Woo! Go! <laughs> my value will never go down. My value keeps on rising and rising. You know, in this family, we rise to rise. We don't, we don't rise and fall, no. We rise to rise. We rise to rise to rise to rise. And we keep on rising. <laughs> Did you see that? The Bible spoke about Jesus Christ's book of Isaiah, prophesying about him, he said, of the increase of his government and of his peace. He said, there shall be no end. It means it will never go down in value. His relevance is sustained on an increasing trajectory. <laughs> oh, I'll say that again. My relevance is sustained on an increasing trajectory. So I don't just remain relevant, I increasingly remain relevant. Increasingly. <laughs> you got to say these things to yourself, beloved. Every generation will need me. <laughs> Woo! My God. Every generation. No matter the technological advancement, I will remain relevant to all generations. That's why he said, he said I, will, I will make you an eternal excellency. The joy of many generations. I am an eternal excellency. The joy of many generations. An eternal excellency. The joy of many generations. An eternal excellency. The joy of many generations. That's, those are powerful words, you know. Daniel was relevant to three administrations. In the Old Testament. How much more now with Christ inside us? With Christ inside us. And I tell you, the source from where we drink, even in the body of Christ, remains relevant. Brother Egan went to be with the Lord since 2003. His ministry remains relevant till now and for life. We don't fade here. We don't fade away here. No. We don't fade away. I want you to say boldly to yourself again I am an eternal excellency. The joy of many generations. 
You know, I tell you, I believe God. Jesus Christ is coming. Our walk will span through generations. And I want you to know this, every one of you that is into creative work, lift your two hands. I pray for you and I bless you with the spirit of excellence. That the works of your hand will span through generations. You will begin to see ahead. You will see ahead of your time. You will see ahead of your time. You will see ahead of your time. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I receive it now. Hallelujah. Receive it. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. I tell you, that's, that's going to be happening. They're going to sing songs that will be sung all through the ages. The song we just sang now must have been written hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago, I tell you. We'll be singing it. We'll be singing it across generations. Sometimes you're just sitting down, you are just, you know, fellowship with God. And imagine how God will bring a song into your heart that somebody wrote in 1902. The person never met you physically, but his voice is touching you now. That's the way your songs will be. That's the way all your works will be now. You will make clothes that that style will inspire greatness in people. From one generation to another generation. You will develop apps, write programs, concepts. Lift your two hands, everybody. I declare, let there be a release of inspiration for insights, concepts, ideas in the name of Jesus. Pray the Holy Ghost now. Come on. Pray the Holy Ghost. Marangu, Kalea, Ponto, Say. La Gopa. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, la brocote, brocote, grege, debrege, degede. La la mama baya, la baye riba. Yerele maya baloromo koshodo bayere. Inge greke koskabea. Mandela brocote, gredele de riba. Mengelego bronkele de gerege baya. Embralege de umbrogoro do bregere boy. Embralege de umbrogoro bregere lege baya. There is a release of inspiration. A release of inspiration. Inspiration, inspiration for creativity, for ingenuity, for innovations, for solutions. Akopa, yele asakabaya dabaya, lagoto, rekaba shake yabalele boyada. Online on ground, receive it. Inspiration, 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 inspiration. Inspiration, inspiration, inspiration. Thank you, Jesus. Inspiration. Let the child in the womb receive it. In the name of Jesus. Let the child of the womb receive it. In the name of Jesus. Let it be imparted in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Come on, come on, come on. Pray, 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 pray. Thank you, Jesus. Makarabaya. Derobokosha. Lerobros. Lerobros. Lerabasarabaya. Leramokorobo. Yeremoshiva. Yea. Masandaba Sadaba. Yanaba Sadaba. Yeraba Sadaba. Yerebo Sadabaya Gadabaya Barabaya. In Jesus' name we pray. Begin, you will begin to see it. Creativity for innovations, for creation, for solutions, for solutions, for solutions, for solutions. For solutions. Listen to me. I hear the Lord say this. The spirit of wealth is the spirit of solution. The spirit of wealth is the spirit of solutions. Every wealthy person today on earth is wealthy because of the solution they are providing. And I speak over you today by this impartation of divine inspiration let great solutions begin to come from you. Let great solutions begin to come from you. Solutions that are needed across sectors. Solutions needed across sectors. Some of you, the solution that will come from you is not only your sector that will need it. It will be needed across sectors. They will need it in education, in entertainment, in politics, in governance, in health. Receive that inspiration, my God. Receive that inspiration. I want you to mark this date. This is a visitation of God. 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 This is a definitive visitation of God this morning. It's a visitation of God. It's a visitation of God. It's a visitation of God. This is a visitation of God. Thank you, Jesus. This is a visitation of God. This is a visitation of God. This is a visitation of God. This is a visitation of God, beloved. Great solutions that will be used across sectors. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Say it again. Say, be it unto me according to the word of the Lord. Say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Say it loud, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we are peculiar. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We are special. We are of a rare kind. Yes, we are of a rare kind. You know, it's, it's inspiration that you see an artist looking for that makes him go to smoke ganja, cocaine, because he, that thing brings them to a particular high. In that realm, all right, the creative juices are limitless. But unfortunately, the downsides to it makes it such that when the stardom comes, 
they are not in the right frame of mind to enjoy it because it's perversion. And the realm it even takes them to is so low compared to the realm the Holy Ghost brings you to. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? But I say that to let you know that most of the stars that the world has seen, they all depend on inspiration. But there is a spirit in man. It says there is an inspiration of God that gives him understanding. It's the inspiration of the Almighty. Not the inspiration of drugs or chemicals. No. But the inspiration of God has no downsides. It has no downsides. It will keep you evergreen for life. That inspiration came upon Solomon. He wrote 5,000 proverbs. It wasn't normal. Just writing, 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 writing. He came upon David. He began to sing songs. Psalms. To the point the Bible says, David was described, 2 Samuel 23, he was described as the sweet psalmist of Israel. The sweet psalmist. You can imagine, he was like the musician of the entire nation. Like the reigning musician. It was not ego that brought him there. It was the inspiration of God. May the inspiration of God elevate you in your career. May that inspiration elevate you in your field of endeavor. In the name of Jesus Christ. Sit down, sit down. You know, as we, as we proceed in this teaching this morning, you're going to see that one of the things that happens where sacrifices are offered is that God reveals things to people. In Genesis 8, we saw that after Noah offered that sacrifice was when God now said to him, as long as this earth remaineth, seed, time, and harvest shall never cease. God didn't talk about it before that sacrifice. He didn't say anything about that. He didn't say anything about that because we're going to see the importance of sacrifices, all right, in God's dealings with man. So God wanted a nation of kings and priests. We just saw that in Exodus 19, 5 to 6. But you see that Apostle Peter now elucidates that more in his writing, 1 Peter 2, 9. That's why I told us to pay attention to the choice of words in Exodus 19 because we're going to see similar words in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, the same words that God used in speaking to Moses in Exodus 19, a peculiar people, same words, called it peculiar treasure in Exodus 19, here he says peculiar people, that ye should shoot for the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you read the next verse, verse 10, he says, who were once not a people but are now the people of God, who once had not mercy but now you have obtained mercy. Say, I have obtained mercy now. Say it again. Say, I have obtained mercy. And it is the mercy of the Lord. So therefore, we are priests. You know, every time we read Exodus 19, I like to always stress the fact that what God did with Israel was God's way of saying, this is a prototype of what I want to do with the whole world. Doesn't mean God made them to be super special than the rest of the world and then the world cannot have what they have. No, what God did in them was to show the world what is available to the rest. It's God's pattern of doing things. When God wants to do something for everybody, he will start with somebody. I say it again. When God wants to do something for everybody, he's going to start with somebody, one person. Did you see? He's going to save the entire nation of Israel, but he's going to start with Joseph. And so Joseph goes ahead of them to bring them into what God has for the rest of them. It's just God's way. So he used the nation of Israel. 
You see, even concerning salvation, Romans 1, 16 and 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You see, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, but notice he didn't say to the Jew only. He said to the Jews first, and then to the Greek. Can you see that? To the Jew first, not to the Jew only. So whatever God has done with Israel, he didn't do it as an exclusive to them. He did it to begin with them as a precedence. I said again, whatever I did with Israel, he didn't do as an exclusive. He did it as a precedence. That is to be the prototype, the first, did you see, of many. Can you see that? The first of many. He was going to make all of us his sons, but he had to bring his only begotten son. So that through his only begotten son, all of us come into sonship. Did you see that? And the word was made flesh, John 1, 14. And dwelt among us and will be held his glory. Glory as of the only begotten. Monogenes, that's a Greek word. Only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But he did not come to remain the only begotten of the Father. He came to bring the rest of us into it. So that Ephesians 1, 6 now says that to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the what? Below. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. So he has brought us into that sonship. But notice it started with one. My, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Those were words spoken to the Lord Jesus at the resurrection. But notice he's now no longer the only begotten son of God. He is the firstborn amongst many brethren. But God started with one. And it remains the wisdom of God forever. In a family, God may want to visit that family and bless everybody in that family, but it's going to start with one person. So there will always be a person who first hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and God saved in that home. If you are that person, you need to understand, it's not supposed to stop with you. You got saved in that family so that through you, light will come to the rest of your siblings. Sometimes you're all born again in your home. And then perhaps you're in the dark. People are not growing spiritually. Perhaps you, uh, you know, the family goes to a, a local church where they are not well taught, no spiritual growth is going on. And then God looks at that family and, you know, he wants to change their story. And so one person in that family will be exposed to light by the message of God. The duty of that person is to now allow that light to shine to the rest of the people in the family. Exposing them to new creation realities. That's how God works. That's how God works. Sometimes God wants to visit a family with prosperity. He's going to start with one person. He's going to start with one person. And through that one person, the prosperity will spread to the others. Now, notice if you are that one person, you have a duty to be humble. Do you see that? Now, if you are not that one person, you also have a duty to be humble and not be envious. The problem with man is that they get angry at the pattern of God. They don't know that it's a pattern. So they're angry. Why does he have all those things and we don't have them? Aren't we siblings? Did we come from the same womb? You know? And then they, uh, they get envious. Sometimes they get entitled. Shouldn't he know that he's supposed to, you know, uh, 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 share those things with us? That's how people stay broke all their lives. Do you see what I'm saying now? Because sometimes God is amazing in his ways. God will start with somebody who is younger. You see, because it is you that have the order of birth. God doesn't care about that. 
Really? What God cares about majorly is who is ready, not who is oldest. Somebody did not hear me. God is not looking at who is oldest, he's looking at who is ready. Now, of course, if the oldest is ready, then he has done a good job for himself. But if he's not ready, God's going to move to the next man. So when Jesse brought out his sons before Samuel, Samuel was not going to just anoint just anybody under God, even though he was going to make that mistake because he felt Eliab well, was the oldest of them and he's tallest, he's tallest of them perhaps. And he felt, well, this has to be the Lord's anointed. The Lord said, I don't think like that. I don't think like that. That is the oldest, is the tallest, does not mean his feet. I look at the heart. Unfortunately, in the house of Jesse, it was the youngest that had the right heart. And since he had the right heart, his age didn't matter anymore. Didn't matter anymore. So it's not about how old you are. It's about how fit you are. How yielded you are. Do you see that? How submitted to God's plan are you? That's the question. And so when God is going to start something, or do something for everybody, he's going to start with someone. If he's going to do something everywhere, he's going to start somewhere. If he's going to do something everywhere, it's going to start somewhere. Acts 1.8. He said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem. That's where they're going to start from. Did you see? To Samaria, to Judea, and to the uttermost part of the earth. So notice what God is doing. He's supposed to go to the ends of the earth. But he's going to start somewhere. That somewhere for them was Jerusalem. It is the wisdom of God. Forever. You can't change it. If God is going to do something everywhere, he won't just do it everywhere at the same time. He's going to start somewhere. Somewhere. You know when you read the Bible very well, you know even the return of the Lord Jesus Christ right there in Acts chapter 1, the angels told them he would come back to the same spot when he's coming for the rapture. The same Mount of Holy is where Jesus will physically land. If I thought he's landing, praise God. Because they were gazing into the sky and the angel said to them, why are you looking into the heavens? He said, this same Jesus who you see taken up shall in the same manner come down. In other words, the same way they looked at him as he was going like this, he will come down from the sky again and stand on that same spot through the eastern gate. Yet, his coming is for the whole world, but he will come and return to one place. Isn't that amazing? Because it's the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. And that's why let me say to you, you've got to recognize the pattern of God in anything you are doing. Recognize the pattern of God in anything that you are doing. Recognize the pattern of God in anything that you are doing. You know, it's amazing when God was going to visit uh, Mary and the angel of the Lord appeared to her according to Luke chapter 1. The angel made her know there is a pattern. He said, your cousin Elizabeth, who had been called barren, he said, this is the sixth month with her now. What did Mary do? She had to go and greet Elizabeth. When she entered the house, she saluted. She didn't come with envy. Her salutation stirred up a connection. And that's what you must do when God shows you the pattern that he has already set for what he wants to do in your life. You should go and salute that pattern. Whether they are younger or not, doesn't matter. Salute that what? That pattern. When I say pattern, I'm talking about a person. Did you see that? I'm talking about a person. Sometimes it can be in the circle of friends. And you notice that amongst those friends, there will be one of them that breaks into a realm and it flow first. 
If the rest are wise, they should salute the work of God in the life of that person because it's not only for that person. God only started with that person. And if they will salute that person, what God has done with that one person will spread to everybody in that circle. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And I believe this is a very important teaching for a local church. Because when we receive words like this, it will not happen to everybody at the same time. It's going to start somewhere with some persons. So that when those people share their testimony, don't get jealous. You should celebrate God with them. Ah, somebody hearing me? Because I've seen over time, growing up as a church boy, I've seen many local churches miss it like that. When God now begins to promote people amongst them, you now see envy, jealousy, criticism. They begin to now explain it away. Don't explain the workings of God in people's lives away. Don't start saying things like, ah, it's because his father is rich. Oh, ah, it's because, you know, ah, you know, she studied abroad, that's why. When you say things like that, you are an ungrateful person. Because you are trying to commonize the work of God. You are trying to explain away the things of God. You see, when the hand of God begins to work in people's lives, there is no way you can explain it from the human standpoint. It's not. And I'm going to say, if you walk with God well as you should, you see, your life should not be easily explained by man's brain. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. And you're going to get a point where everybody will look at the factors in your life and they can tell it cannot be these things. This has to be God. And that's why in the same way when God is doing things like that for other people, don't now use your mouth to explain it away. Start doing exegesis. It's because he has a lot of friends in high places. Stop that. When you say those kind of things, number one, you're ungrateful to God. Number two, you disqualify yourself from the flow. You disconnect yourself from the flow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So be grateful. In Romans 1, that's one of the things Paul wrote there. He said, when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. So when you see the work of God, glorify it as the work of God. Don't reduce it to the effort of man. Don't reduce it to the effort of man. I read some very silly fellow trying to explain away how the victory of David over Goliath. And said Goliath was, he had a particular sickness. Can you imagine the nonsense? So Goliath actually had a particular sickness. And that, you know, David had practiced and practiced and practiced, just trying to explain away the supernatural. The idiotic fellow who gave that explanation many years ago, he's not in ministry anymore. Very idiotic. He's just trying to explain. Very foolish statements. And after all the explanation, he removed the hand of God from that miracle. You too, when your, when your son is 14 years old, carry him, take him to, to, to the northeast. And let him go and face terrorists there. Give him catapult and five stones to go and face Shekau or Shekarau. And let's see how you explain your explanation after they've killed him. Are you hear what I'm saying? And that's what people do. They try to explain away the hand of God from a situation out of their envy just to make the person look ordinary rather than celebrate what God has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? God is at work in men. God is at work in men. Oh, God is at work in men. There are truly things that when you see them, you can tell only God can do this. And may you begin to see some things in your life. You know, some people are too intellectual for their own good. No supernatural occurrence again. 
Because everything, when God does supernatural things, they will find a way to explain it. You can't explain the supernatural. Moses stood before the Red Sea and stretched a rod and the Red Sea parted. And then somebody will not come and bring a scientific explanation to that. He too, he should go to Okitukwa. Praise God. I need there's anything there. Let's, let's, don't even go to the Red Sea. It's too big. Just start with some, some small river. Ogu river there. And stretch rods. And talk. And let's see whether anything will pass. That's a miracle. Because it didn't happen in a flash. Three million people. Three million plus people passed through it. Do you know what it means for three million people to walk? They were not driving. To walk through the Red Sea. It must have taken hours. The power of God sustained that thing where it was. See, when you read these stories, fear God. That's why we don't understand Red Sea. Maybe you think it's uh, the water that is flowing in your gutter. Maybe you should go to the island and go towards that Kuramo and just see the ocean, the Atlantic. Or just go on top Milan Bridge and as the guy, as the boss is driving, don't stop, don't come down. Over. <laughs> as, as, as your car is driving, let somebody drive you and then just look at the ocean. And imagine, try to imagine the Red Sea. Just try to imagine it. And it parted. It's a miracle. And God is still in the business of doing miracles today. Because miracles are forever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Glory to God. There are still miracles today. Glory. Oh, the miraculous is still present. <laughs> you heard that testimony? No traces. No traces. See, the wonders of God. I don't know who the doctor is. But the same words that God gave, the doctor himself used it. Because what the Lord said here on Wednesday was, go and test to confirm. So, it's no surprise that the doctor used the same word that the Lord used. Because he has to confirm that this one, God has done something to you. Say, no traces of it. That is a miracle, sir. Let's thank God for the miraculous. Would you like to see the miraculous this week? Alright, go ahead and thank God for it. Thank God for the miraculous. Oh Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the miraculous. We see the wonders that you do, Lord. You're a miracle walking God. You are a miracle walking God. You're a miracle walking God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's a miracle walking God. He's a miracle walking God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the miracle worker. A miracle worker. He's a miracle walking God. Hallelujah. He's a miracle walking God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's a miracle walking A miracle worker. He's a miracle walking God. Can you sing it like a minute? He's a miracle walking God. Hey, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's a miracle walking God. Two more times. He's a miracle. He's a miracle walking God. Oh, yes. He's a miracle walking God. Oh, yes. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's a miracle walking God. He's a miracle walking God. 
Song we used to sing growing up, and those are powerful songs to remind ourselves he's a miracle worker. You know, I see sometimes like a generation that doesn't even know God works miracles anymore because people who believe God works miracles they never give up hope. So that when men say, Well, it can't be done, well, there is a God that works miracles. Another when people tell you something and say, well, this one, only God can do it, then fine. Then he's going to do it. <laughs> but they say, this one, ah, it will take a miracle. Well, then, let it take a miracle. Let God do the miracle. The miraculous did not die with the last apostle. No. The miraculous is still present with us. Today, here and now. <laughs> we have seen miracles of no egg, no sperm, and yet twins. <laughs> hey, you didn't hear me. A miracle, no egg, no sperm, and yet twins. You know that was husband impotent, wife impotent. Yet they gave birth, twins. Doctor confirmed this one is not possible. They can't have children. But God said it's possible. And God proved it. And God proved it. And that God is still alive. And he's going to do it again. Hey, I said he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He will do it for you. In the name of Jesus. Whatever looks impossible in your life, right now I declare, let the miraculous hand of God get it done for you. I declare once again, whatever looks impossible and whatever it seems to be impossible in your life, let the miraculous hand of God do it for you now. So therefore, receive your miracle now. Receive your miracles now. Give the Lord a shout if you believe. Listen to me. I hear the Lord so clearly. He said, tell them to dance. That's what I heard the Lord say. Them to dance. Hey! 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 Glory! Yes! Yes! Glory to God! <laughs> sit down, sit down, sit down. Glory. Glory. <laughs> Glory to God. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, 
1 Corinthians 12, Paul said in verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has said some in the church. First apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles. He has set miracles in the church. Miracles are present with us. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yes. Glory. Yes. He has set it. We don't need to look for it. Miracles are here. Glory. Take your own. Glory. God set it in the church. He set it in the local church. Miracles. 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 Every time you come to church, just the same way, just the same way, we set the chairs. the same way as sure as he put you in the church he put miracles here in the church too. and in case you don't know it miracles are not for angels miracles are for men miracles are for the saints in the body that's the reason why you cannot be coming to church sick and remain sick because there are miracles here no you can't be you can't be broke and remain broke no there are miracles here ay 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 not be bound by Satan and be coming to church and remain bound. No. No. There are miracles. Miracles of deliverance. Miracles of provision. Miracles of provision. Miracles of promotion. Whatever you need, begin to receive it now. Come on, everywhere. Everywhere now. Come on. There is a stirring in the spirit. There is a stirring in the Holy Ghost. Yes.
Yes. Yes. Press. Receive your miracles. Yes. 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 Through your prayers, walk the miracles now. Walk it and take it. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Ah, my kiss a yede. Ye kiss a yede. Ye kiss a yede. Ye kiss a yede. Ye kiss a yede. Make supplication. Over that matter, make supplication. The power of God is here. Miracles are here. Make supplication. Shakapa. Online on ground. Go ahead. Yete breaking bush. Labron. Yere bush. Narava yere. Yere le borono bush. Negele le borono bush. Negele le borono bush. Nagalara borono borono bush. Negele le borono borono negele bush. Negele bara bara negele 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 bush. Ilabron gono negele 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 bush. Lezadabaya akasat yeke dese yeke dodose yeka davaza igele zune le dobro sere. Ruka Shaba, Ruga Babaye, Ele Barokiate, Ragged the border in the Yede, Ezerime Kedorine de Rebe, La Brasada de Debayedaba, Ebro Soma Yadabayer, Egle Gagaye, Egle Gagaye, Egle Gagaye, Lift up your head, all you get, Mayakabaya Sak, Egese, you everlasting doors, be lifted. Kabasha, Eteta, Yotama, Endobasha, Yegelebotoye, Egibosh, Ridopa, Rabosh, Ribosh, Ribosh, Redebodobodebedebosh, Regedebedebodobodebedebosh. I command the city gates to lift up. Mara, open, Makapayaba, Epa, Epa, Labos, Rados, Rebos, Rade, Kereba, Marabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabarabar
Yes, yes, come on. Press, press, don't take. You boy. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. For thou art good. For thou art good. And your mercy and yours. Lego Prani. Lego Shadeba. Lebro Tai. Legasayana. Thank you, Lord. For thou art our very own Father. Thank you, Lord. Rico Shototopa. Rimo Sela. Takataleda. Rigle Kandro. Riglo Dorobos. Ribadopa Mama Sabama Mada. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. In Jesus' name. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For thou art good. And your mercies and yours. Thank you because you are our very own father. We are your sons and daughters. Thank you for the things you richly give us. The things you freely give us. Of which the miraculous is one. We take it today. For every situation in need of a miracle. I call it done. I call it done now. Let every door that was shut against you open now. Let every gate that was shut against you open now. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' precious name. Shout a very thunderous amen. testify oh you are going to have many testimonies this week there will be many testimonies yours will be there you will have testimonies this week messages of good news good news good news good news good news your prayer has been answered yes Aha. yes Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know, prayer is one of the sacrifices in the New Testament. Actually, even in the Old Testament, prayer was a sacrifice. You see, the Bible tells us, in the book of Psalms, chapter 141, Psalms 141, Psalm 141, and verse 2, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Acts chapter 10, we'll still explain all this in detail in the course of this series by the grace of God. But I just want to see, let us see that because God has, as it were, just brought us into supplication this morning and I wanted to know what that means in the light of this teaching. From verse 1, Acts 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So in verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, that's about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, uh, uh, the, the angel, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, verse 4, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. They come up for a memorial 
before God because it ascended to God as a sacrifice. You see Revelations. Revelations chapter 8. Revelations the 8th chapter and the 4th verse. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. You see that? The smoke of the incense, he said, in verse 4 of Revelation 8, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And so you understand, when we pray, because we are priests, our prayer is a sacrifice unto God. Our prayer is a sacrifice unto God. When people pray wrongly, the word of God calls their prayer sacrifice of fools. When people pray wrongly, the word of God calls their prayers sacrifice of fools. We'll find out in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 from verse 1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Verse 2 says, be not rash with thy mouth. So that's where the prayer is corrupted there. The words they utter in that prayer. He said, be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. He said, for God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Did you see that? So, he's making it clear to us, prayer is a sacrifice in the New Testament, particularly. And you're praying, you're lifting up your words unto God. You remember in Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13, and the 15th verse. Hebrews 13 and the 15th verse, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So notice why our praises become sacrifices as well, is because of the words that come out of our lips in praise. And that is the same manner in which the words that come out of our lips in prayer, do you see, is what makes it a sacrifice. Where those words are inaccurate words, inaccurate in light of scripture and redemption, they become sacrifice of what? Of fools. Glory to God, but we don't offer sacrifice of fools. We offer sacrifices pleasing unto God. Because we pray according to the word of God. We pray according to the word of God. You know, when we just saw 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28, and you can also add 29, uh, and we looked at the fact that God has set in the church miracles. You know, the word miracles there is the Greek word dunamis. It actually is miraculous power. So, truly, miraculous power is in the church. Miraculous power is in this church. Can you say it loud? Amen. Amen. So, we are priests. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, we are priests. And priests offer sacrifices. In Hebrews 5, you will notice, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Did you see that? In Hebrews 8:3, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. So it means if a person is called a priest, they must offer sacrifices. And so we've established the fact that we are priests. 
in the New Testament. We saw that in 1 Peter 2, 9, don't forget. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shoot for the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Say it again, say, I'm a priest. And we've seen here in Hebrews 8.3, for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. And so priests must offer sacrifices. In Hebrews 10, verse 11 to 12, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Now he's referring to the priests in the Old Testament. He says, the sacrifices they offered, which can never take away sins. But this man is now comparing them to Jesus. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins, so Jesus himself offered sacrifice because Jesus is our high priest. You know, Hebrews 3, 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, he said, consider Jesus Christ, the high priest, did you see that? Over our, 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 over our profession or confession. So Jesus is called the high priest, apostle and high priest. Notice Jesus never called himself apostle, glory to God, but he is an apostle. Is that not beautiful? He is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Again, the word profession there means confession. Did you see that? So he says, Jesus now, in comparison, go back to Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, and that's Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So every high priest or every priest must offer sacrifices. Our Lord himself inclusive. In other words, once a person is made a priest, it is a must for him or her to offer sacrifices. And so in the New Testament, we are priests. Therefore, we must offer sacrifices. First Peter 2, 5. He also as lively stones. And of course, I always say this. That's an error translation. The word there in the Greek is the same word he used in the previous verse for the Lord Jesus. And so the right translation will be, ye also as living stones. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm a living stone. A living stone. All right. I built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, Apostle Peter says it very clearly. He says, we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So, we are priests and we offer sacrifices. The difference is that we offer spiritual sacrifices. We don't come before the Lord with goats and bulls and rams. Imagine how that would look like on a Sunday like this. You're living home, well-dressed up, debonair. Did you see that now? Looking dapper. And then you have a goat, a billy goat, glory to God, tied to you, behind you. And you're coming to church as you're saying glory to God. The goat is glory saying, man, like that. That, that wouldn't have been nice. Thank God for the cross. Glory to God. But even though we don't come to church with goats being led by us to service, yet we have somewhat to sacrifice unto God. And we're going to look at all those things that we sacrifice in the New Testament. And I'll just run through a few of them. This morning, we're going to go into detail in the course of this teaching. And the first and most important thing that we sacrifice to God is our bodies or ourselves. We offer ourselves in service to the Lord. We offer ourselves before any other thing that we bring to the Lord 
The most important sacrifice of man to God is himself. The most important sacrifice of God is man himself. And for what we are as, as heritage of faith, we must always make reference when it comes to subjects such as this to Father Abraham, who is the father of anyone who professes faith. In Genesis 22, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, the word tempt there, don't misunderstand. God is not a tempter. The word tempt, test, trial, usually are interchangeably used in the Bible. All right then. So what it means here, the word tempt there is he proved him, not tempt him to do evil. And so the Lord did better still prove Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. Verse 2, and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a bond offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So Abraham is going to take his son, and he's going to offer him up as a sacrifice. In the life of Abraham, we see Abraham offering sacrifices as well. Did you see? But this one is a major one that God is trying to do. And you will notice again, God is not tempting him in the light of the devil as a tempter. God is proving him. And what is God trying to prove for Abraham? He's trying to prove for Abraham what he wants to do for man. It wasn't about what he wanted from Abraham. As you would know, when you read the whole story, that what God was doing there was he was going to show Abraham what he himself was going to do in offering his only begotten son. God didn't need Isaac or to be dead. No. God only needed Isaac as an apparatus for experiment. To paint a picture in the heart of Abraham. So in verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. Somebody look at him and tell them, say, it's good to obey God immediately. Good. And took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and cleaved the wood for the bond offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. So it was a three days journey. Did you see that? He rose up in the morning and now it tells us in verse 4, then on the third day, so they were journeying for three days. So they had enough time for him to change his mind. So you see, the reason why he said God was what? Proving him. So it's not just the obedience where I've done it and it's done. No, it's a three-day journey. So you have the opportunity to disobey, change your mind. But imagine the man has taken his only son that he loves and is going to sacrifice him. And they are on a journey for three days and he did not waver. That was enough time for God to really know that this guy is obedient. This guy is going to do whatever I tell him to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? You see, because you need to understand, God doesn't dash trust to man. You earn God's trust. I'll say it again. And it's something I think many Christians don't understand. You have to end the trust of God. That's why God will prove Abraham. God will prove you. It's the reason why I like to say that how far you go with God is determined by you. As far as God is concerned, he wants to go all the way with you. But you will determine whether he can do so. And you will determine how far he can go with you. By your obedience and yieldedness to him. God cannot take you further than you are yielded to go. 
God cannot take you further than you are yielded to go. That's why the, the plan of God for Saul, you know this what God said about Saul. He said, God should have established your kingdom forever. So it means God, God, has an, God had an intention for Saul. God's intention and plan for Saul's life was he would establish him on the throne of Israel forever. That is, his children's children, generation after generation, would actually be on the throne of Israel. But he messed it up. Yeah, he messed it up. Why? Because he refused to continue to yield to God. God's not going to use you further than you are yielded. You never do it. He loves us, as I say to you all the time, he loves us the same, but he doesn't trust us the same. He loves us all the same, but God does not trust us the same. God doesn't trust everybody the same way. That's the reason sometimes you see God, God gives certain things to certain people. He doesn't give to another man. Resources, yeah, influence. Did you see that? Capacity doesn't give to certain people because they cannot be trusted with it. You know, I'm going to sound that warning again today. That instruction to save is part of how you earn the trust of God for prosperity. It's part of how you earn the trust of God. When you obey such simple instructions, that is how you earn God's trust. Because if you cannot save little money today, why should you have much? If no money is untouchable in your hand, God can't trust you with money. Because you will not be doing anyhow when you have too much money. Because the essence of having a lot of money in super abundance is the fact that you, you will still remain sane and normal. Abundance is not for lao lao living. Money must have a purpose. Are you hear what I'm saying? So after you've worn clothes, you've bought car, you live in a good house, you've done makeup. So what else will you now do? You know, if you have too much money, you can now run mad. <laughs> but the discipline of service itself is a building and development of character. That's what the Bible says, a foolish man spends everything that he has. Is a mark of foolishness. And who is the fool? He's the one who says there's no God. You will have to really eradicate and remove the, the, the consciousness of God from your head to spend everything you have. Service in itself is a form of consecration. This one, I will not touch it. What's the purpose for it? I don't know yet. Just don't touch it. Don't spend it. It shows a readiness that whatever God will now tell me to do with that money, I'm, I'm on standby for it. I'm on standby for it. But when you spend everything you have, Jesus spoke about that man who had so much abundance. And what did he say? He said, I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to say to my soul, so just begin to eat and spend any how you like. So too much money, the problem is how to spend it. And the Bible says, that night God said to him, thou fool. And notice why Jesus said, thou, thou fool. He said, because he did not retain God in his memory. Tell him, say, you're not like that. I, I, say, I'm convinced you're not like that. Say, I believe you're not like that. I know be among those who say, when God give me one million, I will say, you will never have one million that way. That's not the way to have one million. If you cannot save 1,000, you cannot save 10,000. Everybody can save. Tell the neighbor again, say, everybody can save. You know, I like one of the things, Pastor, what you said yesterday about process. Process is supernatural. And that's how many will miss it. Say, ah. If God is going to prosper me supernaturally, I, I know one day like this, somebody will just call me and give me 10 billion. See, that somebody does not exist. 
doesn't exist. That's not how God does his things. You see, people like that who think that way, they don't know that in that daily savings of 500 naira, God is in it. God is involved. And like I've told you, somewhere along the line, the supernatural will catch up with it. You will see the spectacular somewhere. So it means as Abraham left home that day, God was involved. Day one, day two, day three. The Bible says on the third day, go back in your Bible. We're in Genesis 22. Then on the third day, verse 4, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. The man had discretion. He knew that if I should go with all these people, out of emotions and sentiment, they may hinder us from doing what we came here to do. So he told them, you guys stay here. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. That's faith speaking. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. So the boy saw the knife. He's not like they were hiding anything. Abraham did hide the knife somewhere. He saw the knife. He, he, made, he flashed the knife. He said, see, 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 see. And the Bible tells us, verse 7, and Isaac, and he even put it on top of Isaac, he said, you carry it. What I used to kill, you carry it. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Good question. Verse 8. And Abraham said, my God, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar. And Isaac agreed. Did you see that? And laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and Isaac remained there. And took the knife to slay his son. And guess where did he take the knife from? From Isaac. So after he said, give me the knife. I want to use to kill you now. And the boy remained there. And the angel of the Lord called out, called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, Lead not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, and only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a born offering in the stead of his son. So notice, what Isaac did here is how the believer is to offer himself unto the Lord. Isaac offered himself to his father as a sacrifice. You and I are to first and foremost offer ourselves as sacrifice unto God. See, Isaac in all of this never complained. And it shows us the way to offer ourselves unto God as a sacrifice is to simply surrender. Surrender your will. Surrender your ways. Surrender your life unto the Lord. No questions asked. No questions asked. The father woke up in the morning. Let's go to Moriah. The boy is going. After three days, he looks up, he sees the place. And then he tells the servants and says, you guys stay here. My servant, the lad, will go yonder to worship and will come again. And the boy asks his father, where is the lamb? He says, go provide. He says, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Ties his hand. Didn't complain. At the point where you begin to argue with God, you are no longer a sacrifice. At the point where you begin to argue with God, you are no longer a sacrifice. 
God says, this is what I want you to do. Now you're arguing. You want to do it your way. You are no longer a sacrifice. And so we see Paul in Romans 12 as we begin to close today. And Paul, apostle, the apostle Paul, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, Romans 12, Romans 12, and the first verse, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. Notice how he calls or describes it. You present your bodies a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. And that's why we read about Isaac. The, the, the guy was alive. His will was alive. Abraham did not apply force. There was no manipulation. It was an open thing. He had the choice to leave, but he did not. He stayed there. So a living sacrifice is therefore the kind of sacrifice that presents itself. Not the one that they forced there. Not the one they caught as he was running away in the, in the, in the, in the bush. No. He's the one who came by himself and said, you know what? Look, hunter, stop hunting. I am your sacrifice. I am your sacrifice. It has to be willingly done. And as I want to say to you, at every point in your service unto the Lord or your walk with the Lord, never get yourself in a place where you have to be forced to do the things of God. Let the things of God always come from your heart. You see, there are many people serving God or they think they do, they think they are, but they are not really sacrificing unto the Lord. They are not offering any sacrifice unto God. Their service is not a sacrifice because it's as though somebody else has to compel you. Now, usually we start out like that in our work with the Lord. When you're still a young convert, you know, as some of you now, you know, to come to church on Wednesday, it's as though, you know, we have to strangulate you. But you know, it is at the point where that obedience becomes a delight. That is when it becomes a sacrifice. I'll say it again. It is at the point where that obedience becomes a delight. Then it becomes a sacrifice. It becomes a sacrifice at that point. Coming to church on Sunday. If it's still somebody who is forcing you to come. And, uh, and then, you know, you feel like, well, if I don't come now, you know, you'll get angry with me. If I don't come now, you know, it will cause a lot of, you know, rake for me. You will do this, blah, blah, blah. It is not yet a sacrifice. Any obedience that is not from the heart. Anything that a man or woman does in the name of the Lord that did not come from their heart is not a sacrifice unto God. He said, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, meaning he's willing because he's alive. His will is alive. He can choose not to do it. That's why Paul said, if there first be a willing heart, it is accepted according to that which a man has. So it means what makes it acceptable to God is that my heart is in it. I'm not forced to do it. I'm not forced to sing. I'm not forced to serve. I'm not forced to come. I love to come to serve God. I can boldly say, doing the work of ministry for me is obviously a sacrifice that God loves to smell because it's from my heart. I love to serve Jesus. I don't know about you, but I love to serve Jesus. So it means also in your prayer life, if your prayer is coming from a place of drudgery, like you're just like, I just have to pray because now, if I don't pray now, they'll, 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 they'll start calling you now and start asking, why, why have you not clocked in? So that it will not be as if I did not clock in. Let me just pray. Well, you prayed, but you have not offered any sacrifice unto the Lord. 
And you know one thing that sacrifices do? Sacrifices make your life weighty. <laughs> oh, glory. You know, you remember the story of that king that fought against Israel. The Bible says they were defeating him. And the man took his only son that was supposed to be heir to his throne and he sacrificed him. The Bible says the battle turned against Israel. You see, because let me say to you, in the realms of the spirit, sacrifice is a language of power. In the realm of the spirit, sacrifice, whether on the devil's side of the spirit realm or in the divine side of the spirit realm, sacrifice is a language of power. It's a language of power. It's the language of power, actually. So you notice, you look at, around you, even in the world today, and you know, you'll be, you'll be very, very ignorant to think that this only happens in Africa. It happens all over the world. Powerful people offer sacrifices. You wake up sometimes here in Nigeria, and then you see, you see sacrifice at the T-junction. You think it's carnival they were doing? You see the rise of ritualists and ritual killings. What do you think they are using those people for? You see they are using for decoration in their houses. They take real human beings, kill them for sacrifice. But to what end? It's always power. Either to get the power or to sustain it. In this election season in Nigeria now, it's going to be on the right. It's already on the rise. Just kidnap, 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 kidnap. For what purpose? Sacrifice. I have driven on Lagos by the Express Road over the years on few occasions. I've seen headless bodies with my two eyes. Just driving by like this. Just a headless body by the roadside. And everybody's driving past it. They didn't drop from the sky. Somebody cut off their head. The head didn't disappear in rapture. Somebody cut off that head and carried a human being's head. Literally, that they've caught that they said they opened his refrigerator. It's fresh human parts that they found there. A human being, sir. What is he using it for? Is he eating them? Using them for pepper soup? No. Sacrifice. What are they looking for? Power. Power. But glory to God. God didn't ask us to bring human beings' head. What are the things he has asked us to do that is difficult? It's not difficult. He said, offer your own bodies. Now, offering your body as sacrifice to God does not mean that you begin to mutilate yourself. He said, what are you doing? I sacrifice to my God. I cut myself. I said, Lord, I want to show you how I love you. I cut myself. Yeah. No, that's not to our God. That's not to our God. You offer your bodies, which means yourself. That is, you surrender your will to him. That this life is for you only, oh God. Anything you say, I will do it. Anywhere you ask me to go, I'll go. That's what it means. I'll do your will all the days of my life. That is what it means. That's why the next verse, he tells you there, be not conformed to this world. Why? The way of the world is a way of rebellion against God. The way of the world is a way where man says, I'll do as I please. The opposite of that is what he says in the first verse. We don't live like that. Rather, we surrender our will to God. We don't say, we don't say those kind of funny things. It's my life. That's not Christian language. That's not a godly language. It's not your life. It's the life of God that has been given unto you. Because you were dead in sins and trespasses. But God, Ephesians 2, 4, for the great love that he loved us, 
God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love wherewith he loved us. When we were dead in trespasses and sins. He quickened us together with Christ. So he's no longer I that liveth. But Christ that liveth in me. The life I now live. He said I live by the faith of the son of God. Galatians 2.20. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So it is the life of Jesus that is inside me now. Not my own. So how dare you say it's my life. It's not your life. It's the life of Christ. It's the life of Christ. It's the life of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying in Romans 12. So we don't think like the people of the world. At any point in your life as a Christian where you're trying to do your own thing without even making any recourse to what God might have you do in a situation, you are being conformed to the world. They don't care. They don't care. And that's how you notice some people think worship, like Paul says there, he says, this is your reasonable act of worship. Some Christians are not reasonable. Very unreasonable in their ways. Because they want to do their own thing. When you as a child of God wants to do your own thing, you are being unreasonable. And when he says your act of worship, worship is not just the singing. So you can be singing and yet there is no worship because you are not the sacrifice. Because it's not the voice God wants to hear first. What God is looking at first is, is their surrender. It's not the money that you drop in the offering basket or are you paying to the account of the church as your seed that God is looking for first? No, sir. In 2 Corinthians 8, concerning the Macedonians, this they did. First, they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So everything you do as a believer must be by the will of God. If it is not by the will of God, then it is not a sacrifice. It has to be by the will of God. Is this God's will? That's why we've got to know the will of God. He said, be not unwise, Ephesians 5, but know and understand what the will of God is. That's how living sacrifices live. I want to know the will of God on this matter. Why do I want to know it? Because that's what I'm going to do. We are not here to do our own will. We are here to do the will of God. Over every area and matter of our lives. That's what distinguishes us from the world. They don't care. I told you there are people who live and die and they never, ever care to know the plan of God for their lives. And they never even scratch the surface of it. I heard that Egan say this early years of listening to him, many years ago, over 20 years ago. And he said, you know, the Lord Jesus, in one of the appearances, said to him, he said, many live and die and they never scratch the surface of the first phase of their calling. And they die like that. What a waste. And I made up my mind those years and I said, I'm never going to live my life like that. I will know the will of God. I will do the will of God for my life. I made up my mind, my life will be a life of accuracy. Yesterday, I was just meditating yesterday night. And that word came strongly in my spirit. I don't make foolish decisions. I make accurate decisions all the time. All my decisions are precise. They are in line with the will of God. The Lord laid in my heart to, to charge everyone who is a parent. And even if you are not yet a parent, you're still single. You will have children. Be declaring those words over yourself and over your offspring that are yet to come. If you already have kids, you lay your hands on them. If you have a child in your womb, you lay your hands on your womb and start declaring that my children are taught of the Lord. They make accurate decisions. Accurate decisions. All my decisions are accurate. You know, the Bible says it's not for man to choose his own path. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. And that's why let me say to you, with this understanding, you realize that every living moment of our lives should be a sacrifice unto the Lord. 
every living moment. So it's not only when we're in church on Sundays that we're offering sacrifices, no. The way we live our life, our conduct, our way and manner of life is supposed to be a sweet-smelling savour unto the Lord that God should look at you all the time and just smile and say, wow, I'm pleased with the way this guy is living. There is such a thing as pleasing God with our lives. There is such a thing. You know, some people say, you know, well, well, Jesus has offered himself on our behalf and God has accepted him on our behalf. And so God is pleased with me eternally. Yes, in light of redemption, where sin is concerned. But there is such a thing as your lifestyle, your pattern. It can displease God. And so there must be a decision you make in your life and say, Lord, I'm going to live a life that is pleasing unto you. All the days of my life. Now that doesn't mean I'm perfect. It simply means that listen, when I see the fact that I already have it, I've made a decision to please God all my life will make me know when I've missed it. If I say something now, do you see that? And I know this is wrong. I don't begin to talk nonsense and say God is already pleased with me in Christ. That's nonsense. So God is already pleased with me in Christ. So I should be disobeying God. And you say God will take it away. He doesn't see it. He sees it. It's, it's, it's not stupid. So God doesn't see that one. He only sees Christ. That's, that's, that's rubbish theology. God sees everything you are doing. He said in him we live, we move, and have our being. How can he not see anything we are doing? And there are things that we do, even as God's children, that are not pleasing unto God. What Christ has done simply means that he will not count it against us. But that I don't count something against you doesn't mean it pleases me. There are things you can do that I don't like it. But of course, I'm not going to not cast you away because of it. But I'm not, I'm not at the same time going to pretend that I like it. And I said, the Holy Ghost is in you. He will nudge you sometimes and say, that's not right. What you said now is not right. That thing you said is not right. What you said now is not true. You got to go change it and correct it. He's not condemning you. He's not casting you away. But he's going to correct you. You've made a move. You didn't check with God. The Holy Ghost will tug you on the inside and say, you didn't even bother to ask what is God's will. And so what do you do when that happens? You adjust yourself. And that's why you must understand. So that you miss it does not mean you miss God eternally. No. It does not mean that now you are no longer, you don't stand a chance to, to be a living sacrifice. No. To be a living sacrifice is the fact that you can even sense in your heart that there's something wrong you've done. And what do you do when you know? You correct yourself. But the point where you know you've done wrong and yet you insist. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I read the story how they said, you know, two people, a, a brother and a sister in a well-taught church decided to go ahead and they wanted to get married. <laughs> very funny story. And the brother's family, they have a very satanic tradition. And in case your family has that tradition, I'm telling you today, it's satanic. That the lady must get pregnant before marriage because they need to be sure she's fertile. So hear me again. In case your family has that tradition, it is satanic. It is ungodly. It's devilish. I want to, I'm looking for bigger words. It's sinful. It's immoral. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's why I say, you come out from amongst them. Be ye what? Separate. So don't now begin to use that as an excuse for sin. I say, I can't help it. It's our family tradition. Just who tell us you've been looking for opportunity to commit sin before. So they insist that in their own family, before they marry, they, they must be sure. So you have to impregnate the girl. 
and their pastor told them, with everything I've taught you, you can't go and do this. But they chose at that point to do their own thing. So they went ahead and, you know, the lady got pregnant, they got married, and they were certain in their hearts that, yes, at least we have outsmarted God. But you cannot be smarter than God. Now, of course, God will not come after you with anger and say this, you know. But it is the devil that you have not given power over your life when you make such moves. 18 months after, huh? the baby died. Guess what? For many years after, they never conceived again. Listen now, it's not God though. Because they've already, see, they already opened the door of their life. Compromise gives Satan an edge. Compromise gives Satan an edge. You see that? It's just good that the story didn't end like that. Because God showed them mercy. God showed them mercy. God showed them mercy. It's a true life story. And they eventually had another child. But listen, this was at a cost, a personal cost. That pain and sorrow and agony of those years was needless. They thought they were being smart. But they didn't know that anytime God warns you against something, it's not because God is just trying to control you. God is not a control freak. Every instruction of God is to protect you. So don't, don't commit fornication. It's not because God is saying, he's saying there's a personal daughter, he doesn't want you to impregnate. It's your problem now. If you go and catch Gurukakush, it is you. Abi, if you go and call, if you, if you contract STD, it will really affect God where he is. He would now. So it's not as if he has something very. If there's anything God takes personal when he gives instruction, it's your own interest. Is somebody hear what I'm saying? Because I see Christian generation, they say, all these things, this standard is too much, it's, it's not that deep. Let, let, let's just see. This Christianity thing is not that deep. It's, it's not that deep. You know, all this look at you, look at you. See, let's just go to any church we see on Sunday morning. There is, it's not that deep. See, let, don't worry, it's not that deep. I understand. But you see, the pit the devil is digging for you is very deep. That's the issue. The devil is digging deep things. <laughs> They say, ah, oh, ah, we cannot be praying. This prayer is too much. Ah, oh, oh, prayer, 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 prayer. It's not, it's not, it's not about how, how many times you pray. <laughs> Have you heard those very silly statements? It's not about how many times you pray. See, just, you know, look, it's God's it's grace that is covering all of us. Ah. Hey, say, ah. They, they just funny ideas. And there are Christians buying them today. Just take it easy. See, it's not that difficult. Listen to me. Present yourself. Live inside. It means God should be able to make you do anything He wants at any time. 4 a.m. Say, get up and pray. Don't say, sir, 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 sir. I don't, I don't feel like it right now. And you turn your back against God. You say, ask God. You don't live like that. You don't get up and say, I'm going to marry whoever I like. And the church is telling you, brother, you have to pray. Spend three months, pray and be sure. Say, see, all the people that pray three months, does it change anything? You know, all those very satanic talk. Says, after three months of prayer, I mean, sister so and so, after three months, they still broke up. And he's already showing you the one that will happen to him. Because that's what he's seeing. He's not going to look at the ones that did not break up. 
So he will begin to use those ones that broke up as an excuse. And also to, to ridicule and mock the system of God. Did we ever tell you that just because you prayed and you are sure means that the relationship will work automatically? Whoever said that? But it gives you a better chance. So that if a person, if you took time to pray before you entered the relationship and it eventually broke, it is not because your prayer was useless. There are other factors to it. So that should not make you now say, the one that I prayed should be broke. Why should I pray again? It's not that deep. That's how people get hurt deeply. You see, let me tell you this morning. Never allow Satan or the world make the things of God look foolish to you. Don't ever let, don't let, don't ever let it happen. Don't let, it, don't let the devil and the, the people of the world make the things of God look foolish. The things of God are not foolish. They are not foolish. They protect us a lot. Oh, they protect us a lot. They protect us a lot. So don't begin to say, oh, they, they, they prayed and yet they broke up. After all, are cars not having accidents? Have you stopped entering cars? So if, if that, because if that's the argument you want to put up, then when you want to travel to your hometown in the east, don't enter bus, check, start checking from Lagos. So don't, don't mock the things of God. We have a different life. Now, and if you have missed God somewhere, you can regain your path again. You can get back on the right path. You see, the good thing about God is at any point where a man makes up his mind to turn, God is waiting there. And for somebody, that can be this morning. Hallelujah. Say, Lord, you know, I have not really lived the way God. I, I don't believe my life is pleasing on God. Now, listen, there are those who are just playing self-guilt. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you know, you see some people, they are doing the things God has told them to do, but you have this feeling of, I'm not doing enough. That's self-righteousness. So it's not you I'm talking to this morning. If you're in that kind of category, your own is a rebuke. Stop overestimating your relative importance. You know, those kind of Christians, like if a calamity happened in Lagos State, you will say, it's because I refuse to pray. Oh, God, shut up. That one is not that deep. <laughs> and I tell you, I've been there before. I've been there before. Something happens to people that are, you have no connection, no responsibility over their life, and then they will begin to make you feel like maybe it's because you did not. You know that day when I you did not pray, it's your life. Yeah. Uh, you say that prayer body that you did not raise. Oh God, your prayer body no affect anything. You will have to have God to, if I, and if God will make you responsible for something, you will know you are responsible. If you still have to be thinking whether you are responsible, you are not. When God commits a responsibility to you, you will know. It's not whether you are thinking, maybe I'm responsible or not. A woman of God shared a story, very powerful. She woke up in the middle of the night and she saw a very clear, open vision. All right, by the Holy Ghost. She saw a woman tied to a bed. All right. And she saw, as she saw that woman tied to the bed, she could see the woman was mentally, you know, uh, ill at the same time, getting, you know, her mind was being messed up. And she said, the Holy Ghost said to her, you get up now and speak to that woman to be free and speak to her mind to be free now. And she got up and she rebuked that insanity and commanded that woman to break free. And she just prayed the prayer. She said she has never seen that woman in her life. 
and then she goes over just a few days after to go and preach somewhere where they invited her. And as she was just preaching, she narrated the encounter she had previ- the previous night, I mean, a few nights ago, to that time. And then the, the host, after a session, called her and said, I mean, you don't live in this town, and probably you don't know that in the news, just yesterday morning, there was this woman who had been kept somewhere for 20 years tied to a bed mine messed up in those 20 years they said they, this happened in America they would release her and send her on errand and she didn't have initiative to run away she would always come back and just two days before then which was just about the time the woman prayed as God led her they sent her on errand again and then instead of going back she regained her mind and she went to the police station to report listen now this woman of God said, even up until now, she has never met that woman before. But when they told her about it, she knew that was what God told her to pray about. And I'll tell you why God does those kind of things. I've said it in HSOM recently. Usually when there is such a serious assault of hell against a people or a person, it is a calling God we raise against it. And it doesn't have to be a calling that is even connected to that person. Like in this woman's case, she didn't have to. That vision was, was very vivid, the way she described it. She said, it wasn't like I was thinking. It was not a knowing. She said, I saw it like that. And she prayed. And she united two more experiences similar to that that she has had. And I believe when a person can be trusted with one and she's faithful, God will continue to use her like that. Because she united like two more experiences she had like that. But in all those cases, it was clear God gave her that responsibility. So imagine if she did not obey God. That's the same way she would have heard the news. That one, she would need to repent. I heard the story of a person who said they went to a hospital and somebody was sick to the point of death. And he said, as he turned away from the bed, he saw the Lord Jesus standing. And the Lord Jesus said to him, you know, you should pray for that person. They will come back from the dead. And he said, the person died and he was too shy. And he said, the Lord rebuked him seriously about that. He said, I didn't want that person to die. That's why I told you. That's the reason why I appeared to you. And I told you that you're supposed to believe God for them not to die. But you let them die. It was clear. So I want to say to somebody again because I know it's going to liberate you. If you were the one giving the responsibility, it will be clear that it is you. So stop being guilty. Stop being guilty. Don't say, oh, you are responsible for why that person didn't make it. No, you are not. Because except if it is very certain in your heart that God gave you that duty. All right. There's somebody God told me like that many years ago. The first time I heard the audible voice of God, I was a patri student on the campus. And I, it was like a slap. Because I had seen it first. The Lord said, get up and pray for this person. Otherwise, he will die. I saw his shoes in that vision. I know the person well, very close. I saw his shoes in that vision. And as I saw, I didn't even see his face. It was his shoes I saw. And I heard in my spirit, the owner of this shoe is about to die. Get up and pray and stop it. Ah, man, I was feeling very sleepy, sir. I was quite a director on campus. And those days, if you went to where you, I, we used to rehearse at a just a lecture theater. And I was staying in Fajuyo. And we didn't have bus or anything. We pushed all our equipment like this. We had one thing we used to carry, we call it Amos. One tray like this, we would push it. And if you know, the way from Adjusted to Fag, there are some hilly parts of it. Hey, oh boy, very bad description. It's a bad day, devil drink water. You see what I'm saying? Interpret it, you will get it. So, <laughs> after that tedious stuff, I saw that Woody has late into the night, 1 a.m. It's very tired. I said, Whoa, sir. 
In the multitude of your mercy, just don't let this brother die. You see, as I am now, please, I beg. Just allow me to sleep. And I was going back to sleep. See, I heard my name audibly, but I didn't just hear it. It came like a slap. Peter, cow! Like that. I've never felt that in my life. The sleep disappeared, sir. It so disappeared. And I'm very serious with you. It so disappeared that, you see, if you went to OAU, Fadji or is very close to sports center. Just go through Fudge and enter to get out of sports, you know, at sport and then just go to pray. See, I was so awake, I didn't go through the shortcuts. I went to the I, I went, I went to pass, I went to SUB, and then go like that up, and I was praying the Holy Ghost. The person is in alive. I still saw him last month. And between me and him, I have never had this discussion with him ever. I've never even told anybody the person who it is. Because there was no need. But me, I knew. Because instead of losing his life just a few weeks after that prayer, he lost his job. So it's not that he was any by chance thing. And when he lost that job, the Lord said to me, that's it. That's it. It was his life that was going. That's it. Because God literally took him out of this country and sent him abroad. As he lost that job like this, three months after, he got the visa, he located to Europe. Straight. Whether he knows today, I don't know. But me and God, we know. We know. Now, that one, now, God forbid, if that person had died that time, ah, if I felt guilty, I was supposed to feel guilty. God forbid, now, God will now say, and I said, you should pray. I slapped you, 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 you rub it. <laughs> you know, something very crazy. After that slap, what like this, you say, ah, whoa. You say, Kebi, you say, if they slap you on Ranchi, turn the other side. I say, God will slap the other one. You just carry pillow and cover your head. I say, with that man, Lumika, Lumika, Lumika. Oh my God. So, you see what I'm saying? If, if you are the one responsible, it will be very clear. So if you're still doubting your heart, could it be, could it be, it's not you. So don't bother yourself. Right? Don't bother yourself. Don't bother yourself. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But when the responsibility comes, you've got to take it, brother. Take it, sister. We see, because we are his hands. So whenever he needs it, we must give it to him. We are his feet. When he wants to move, we must allow him to move through us. We are his voice on the earth. When he says, I want to speak to that man, allow him use your voice. Anytime God tells you, talk to that person, it is God saying, I want my voice to be heard. And you are my voice to that man. So talk to that man. When we go out on evangelism, that's what we're doing. He says, we beseech you, be reconciled unto God. As though God did beseech you by us. Because truly, that's what God is doing when we're preaching to people to get saved. God through us is beseeching them. In other words, he's appealing to them. Don't die like this. Receive this gift of salvation. When you refuse to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are not being a living sacrifice. So this morning, I want us to just consecrate ourselves. Can you just in five minutes of prayer, some of you need to repent. Say, Lord, I repent, I repent, I repent. I will do what you want me to do. Go ahead, everybody. I'll do what, some of you, you remember certain things that you need to repent of as I was speaking. Don't get condemned, repent. Online, on ground, repent. Thank you, Lord. Yes, go ahead. 
Thank you, Lord. Pray, 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 pray. Some of you, it's time for that your prayer life that is in comatose to come back to life. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. We present ourselves to you, Lord God. This week, I wanted to make up your mind. You'll pray, spend time with God in your devotion. You know the way the, 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 the prophet of God Elisha said to his servants when they lost the axe head, he said, Where fell it? And he cast wood there. And the Bible says, And the metal swamped and came back up. You see, at this point this morning in this service, for anyone who feel lost, you feel like, Man, I've really not been in line and in synchrony with God's plan for my life. God is giving you another chance today. I told you, he's not a God of second chances. He's a God of another chance. Many chances. As many as possible. You can start again today. You can start again today. I'll study more. I'll pray much more. I'll reach out more. I'll do much more. I'll do much more. I'll study 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 more. I
church more today? Why you leave church today? Preach to somebody. Preach to somebody. Preach to somebody today. Lead one soul to Christ today on your way home. Are you hearing what I am saying? Lead one soul to Christ when you get home. Your prayer life can come alive again. And this is the time for you to come alive. Every decision you made in recent time that you know in your heart that this is not of God, go and change those decisions. Bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Those decisions you made, you know this is compromise. You've already opened the door to say that go and shut it. Reverse those decisions. You've joined yourself with some people to do evil. Call them and tell them I opt out. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. Those sinner friends, call them up and tell them I'm not part of you again. I'm not going to roll with you anymore. Somebody hear what I'm saying right now? Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. That person that is supposed to be your beloved and you've been living in sin, sexual sin, call that person up and tell them, bro, this ends today. It ends today. It ends today. We are not married, so we cannot be kissing and touching and having sex. Call the person and tell him. And if he's not going to change, break that relationship. Break it. Let it end. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to make up your mind that you will really serve God and follow Jesus. Is somebody hear what I'm talking about this morning? Make up your mind. If you stole before, still no more. That is what it means to offer yourself as a living sacrifice unto God. He has made you a living sacrifice. Present yourself as so. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Let him that told lies, tell lies no more. Let him that stole, steal no more. Tell your neighbor, say no more, no more, no more. I shall say, I will do the word. Say, I'm a doer of God's word. I'm not a hearer only. Say, but I'm a doer. I have grace already. I have capacity already to do the will of God. Hallelujah. This message was brought to you from the Heritage of Faith Church. Our vision is raising stronger believers. For more impactful resources, visit our website at www.hofng.org. God bless you.